Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside Dilu, as we turn our attention to the Texas Longhorns and uh, we get Ian Boyd of Inside Texas and Sports Treatise.com uh, to, uh, to come and join us and, and talk a little, little bit about uh, the Texas Longhorns and their prospects as uh, they enter 2019. Uh, obviously, uh, Texas coming off of a 10-win season last year. Um, big win over Georgia in the in the Sugar Bowl. You have to really like where uh, the Longhorns find themselves uh, back in the top ten in the uh, first uh, AP poll of the season. Have to think of them as a, a team that uh, is going to be right there uh, in the national title hate or in the national title chase, as well, of course, as a, a Big Twelve title chase. So, uh, Dilu, um, what what do we think about uh, the Texas Longhorns here in 2019? Icon, first of all, great to be with you this evening. Oh, pleasure's mine. Um, we uh, we like Texas this year. Uh, we think for the first time in a long time, Texas is a legitimate... Well, I mean, uh, there's this perception of Texas every year where they've kind of become a meme, and everybody thinks, Texas oh, Texas is back, ha ha ha, Texas. Like, they've been kind of a joke... Uh, it's been a running joke uh, for really since what 2000, uh, 2016 11? they well 2016 well, they beat that's when the meme became kind of a thing is after because that, they, the big the big game over Notre Dame and then they go on and go five and seven that year Charlie strong gets gets axed all that stuff but and even last year is the same thing they start off with you know some good preseason hype. They lose to Maryland in the first game, which, you know, Maryland was in a, a bunch of turmoil there. Yeah. However, they go off and rattle off uh, six straight wins, find themselves in the top ten in the country. So, you know, everyone wrote them off a little bit early after that Maryland game, but they well, rebounded. They didn't end up in the Sugar Bowl last year by accident. Exactly. I mean, so everybody, oh, is, is it, like, they were on... One of these cultural ball preseason magazines is Texas back. Went to the Sugar Bowl last year. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. It's it's it seems silly that that meme still exists because clearly Texas is was a very good team last year, and they're likely a very good team this year too. Um, and so I hesitate to put them on the same. Uh, you know, tier as I would Oklahoma, just because Oklahoma's been so dominant in the Big 12 for so long. But um, I think that they're clearly um, a preseason favorite to get to Arlington. Yeah, and, you know, of course, when you think Texas, you think um, a team that is going to be talented on both sides of the ball. Clearly, you know, a, a team that is not... Talent is no question. Talent is never a question. But I think if you really like this Texas team, which I think we both do, is you have to look no further than the quarterback. When when Texas has been very good, like most teams, they've had very good quarterback play, whether it's been Vince Young, Colt McCoy. When they haven't been as good, it was David Ash, Tyron Swoops, Case McCoy. You know... They, they didn't have the, the difference maker uh, at the helm uh, at quarterback. Well, you could say that about any team. Yeah, I mean, exactly. K-State, they were good. They had 
Michael Bishop. Elder Jake Ferguson. Waters. Yeah. Jake Waters. Daniel Sams. No, not Daniel Sams. Uh, and when they were bad, they had... On Alex, average. Alex Delton. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it, it goes on. In, in, but the, the point I'm trying to make here is Sam Ellinger is one of the best quarterbacks, not only in the Big 12, but one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He really does it all for Texas. And we'll, of course, get Ian's uh, thoughts on that. But in, in, in kind of uh, leading up to our interview uh, here with, uh, with Ian, uh, D'Lo, I just kind of like to ask you, it seems to me that you don't like Texas necessarily as much as Oklahoma, but is it is it a one is it one and two for you like where you see Oklahoma as yeah, one? Yeah, no, then it's two, not. It's not it, a one A one B thing okay. yet, and that's just because, gosh, Lincoln Riley's track record with quarterbacks has just been so impressive. Sure, um, and they got another good one this year. Uh, so it, it's just hard for me. To bet against Oklahoma, um, or even see somebody sharing Oklahoma's spot in the Big Twelve, for so long as Lincoln Riley's putting up these really insane offensive numbers every year. I mean, the, the old story on you can kind of compare it a little to those Mike Leach Tech teams with Oklahoma, where it's oh yeah, they put up. 600 yards of passing, 500 yards of passing or whatever with Cliff Kingsbury back in like the early 2000s. But then on defense, they were just a joke. I mean, that was the running gag. And Oklahoma's like that, except better. I mean, those tech teams weren't putting up the offensive numbers that Oklahoma is this year. And Oklahoma's defense, Ian might fact check me here, but those Oklahoma, these Oklahoma defenses aren't quite as bad as... Uh, those tech defenses were, even though they're not very good. They're just... That's what they are. They're just not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're abysmal or anything. But uh, regardless, uh, when you're putting up like 11 yards per play or whatever they are, I think they were at 11.4 yards per play last year, Oklahoma was. Um, it's hard for me to bet against them. Well, it, it'll be certainly interesting, of course, Texas's uh, Oklahoma's chief uh, competition to end uh, the Sooners' uh, reign of terror, so to speak, over the Big 12 as they as the Sooners look to make it uh, five straight Big 12 titles. Uh, but we sat down with Ian Boyd, and uh, in terms of uh, guys that are knowledgeable about what uh, is going on at Texas, uh, there's not a whole lot better than Ian, and uh, he shares his perspective uh, with us on the Texas Longhorns uh, right now. All right, we are now being joined by Ian Boyd. Uh, Ian uh, writes for uh, SportsTreatise.com and as well as Inside Texas, where he uh, covers a Texas Longhorn football. Uh, you can also follow him on Twitter at uh, Ian underscore A underscore Boyd. Uh, Ian, football season is uh, fast approaching, so thank you for uh, spending some time uh, with us today. How are you doing? Doing well. Happy to be back on. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been I, I think uh, Ian would have to constitute as our first recurring guest, correct, Drew? That's right. And as I think about it, probably our first guest period that we had. Yeah. So this is a watershed moment here in uh, in terms of the short side options. So, uh, but Ian, uh, obviously expectations are higher for uh, Texas this year, uh, coming off a ten and four uh, record going in uh, to the uh, Sugar Bowl, upsetting Georgia. 
Uh, first, I want to kind of talk with you about uh, just that bowl win over Georgia. There's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, Texas obviously uh, entering the the uh, the first top 25 poll in the top 10. Uh, obviously, coming off that momentum of beating Georgia and finishing out this regular season pretty darn strong. Uh, what's the overall um, feeling in Austin around the Longhorns uh, as we get ready to start the season? There is a lot of hype and excitement about the team. Um, I think that there's a general sense that a lot of what's been going right has been due to the coaching staff and to Sam Ellinger in particular, and all those pieces are in place in a year better for 2019. So, uh, the general expectation is that all the all the various question marks will will uh, sort themselves out around just the staff, the recruiting classes they've been bringing in, and then Ellinger at the top of it all. Well, and you mentioned defense. Uh, Texas lost some guys, uh, quite a bit of production from last year. Uh, guys like Gary Johnson and Chris Boyd. Uh, who are some of the guys that you think uh, some of the new faces that are going to show up for the Longhorns this year on uh, the defensive side of the ball, which has been pretty stout for Texas really over the last, gosh, for a long time? Well, they have maybe as many as five safeties that could probably start at a lot of the other teams around the conference or even around the country. They had uh, that 2018 class, I think. No. The, 29, the 2019 class that were freshmen last year had a, a couple blue-chip cornerbacks in Jalen Green and Anthony Cook, one or both of whom may start this year as sophomores. Uh, at safety, they had Caden Stearns and DeMarvion Overshone, who were both five stars. And Caden uh, Stearns started last year as a freshman, and uh, he'll be back. And DeMarvion Overshone will either starter platoon this year, they're using him as the their dime safety that they call the Joker. And uh, they may base out of dime this year, in which case he'd be a starter. So they're a little bit on the young side, but they're young at positions where sometimes it's okay to be young, at least with corner, maybe not so much with safety. And they're pretty talented back there. So they have a lot of... Uh, th- there's a good chance that they're just going to play... Uh, two corners and four safeties like 80% of the time and then have Brandon Jones, Caden Stearns, DeMarvion Overshone, and B.J. Foster, actually who was another former five-star safety who's a sophomore that played a lot last year, and just get them all on the field at the same time. Well, with Texas, it's never it never seems to be an issue with talent. Uh, one thing that I had actually had read and had, I believe, even heard on some, uh, you know, some college sports uh, radio shows is that a lot of the reason why Texas fans and, and people that cover the Longhorns are not overly concerned about what they have to replace on defense is because a lot of these guys that were uh, sophomores and freshmen last year that are filling in for those uh, those seniors that have left and, and folks that have left is that they got quite a bit of playing time um, under, under Tom Herman uh, the year before. So it, it's kind of nice when you can – you know, you might have to replace, you know, seven or eight starters, but you're not replacing them with guys that necessarily come in uh, without much playing time experience. Yeah, they're in okay shape there in that they a lot of these guys got either a lot or, a, or at least a little bit of playing time. But they also they have uh, 
senior and a junior on the defensive line. They're going to start a senior at middle linebacker and they're going to have a senior at strong safety. So right up the heart of the defense, they have veterans that have, that, that have played a lot of football. Well, uh, yeah. And well, one place that Texas is not, um, not inexperienced and doesn't have really any question marks at is uh, the quarterback position with uh, Sam Ellinger. Um, obviously took a big step uh, from his freshman year uh, to his sophomore year, um, was really a, a focal point for that offense and did a great job. Um, obviously improved as a uh, passer too, which was a, is a major concern. Of course, uh, when you look at his true freshman campaign, there was uh, some, some times where he didn't look great throwing the ball and had some, you know, some crucial kind of end of the game decisions, but a lot better there. What kind of steps do you think he might be able to take in 2019? He really realized a lot of his potential last year, but um, every indicator in the offseason has been that he's taken another pretty decent-sized step forward. Um, he's continued to, I think, between his freshman and his sophomore year, he cleaned up a lot of his throwing mechanics to tighten up his release and, and get a little more uh, zip on the ball and some more accuracy. And it sounds like he's... a uh, He's still exploring his potential there just by continuing to get a little bit better. Um, he's also now there's a couple of throws that he didn't make very well last year um, that he's been working on in the off season to, to make sure that they are, that they become like muscle memory type throws such as like a, like the post route over the middle. He had trouble finding some of his guys on, on deep posts last year or, um, they had this really awesome uh, pop pass to the tight end that everybody loves to use now. And, you know, half the time you see a team run it, the tight end is just running free down the middle of the field. But uh, Ellinger and his tight end missed it a whole bunch of times last year. So they uh, that was a, something that they nailed down apparently in the spring. Well, that pop pass is kind of passe to a lot of K-State fans, Ian. Oh, yeah. Uh, it It still works pretty good, though. I'm sure it does. Um, speaking of some of the, I don't want to use the term gadgety. I don't think you can anymore when describing it. But uh, staying with Ellen, uh, Ellinger, is uh, this, it seems like coaches are going to be asking him to do a little bit more this year in terms of decisions and really making him the focal point of the office, offense even more than he was last year. Uh Reading some of your stuff, it sounds like you think that they're going to be moving more towards RPO uh, plays. Do you uh, do you think that uh, he'll be able to uh, handle that new wrinkle in the system? Yeah, for sure. I think usually it it usually comes down to um, does the court can the quarterback read the defense well so that he doesn't get fooled and make mistakes. Because, you know, if you try to call the – if you start getting really aggressive with RPOs where your quarterback is being asked to throw like a, a glance route or a, or a slant, if you miss your uh, – if you misread the coverage and you pull the ball from the running back and then you try to force in this throw and then it turns out there are defenders there, you can get into a lot of trouble real quick. And so uh, the quarterback needs to be really smart about – identifying the defense and making sure that when he pulls the ball to toss it, that he knows what he's seeing. And then 
the footwork is a little trickier than, than people might think, being able to pull the ball and then get an accurate throw off really quickly. Some guys like uh, Tua Tagovailoa make it look really easy, but you'll see other guys that really struggle with it. So tricky stuff, but he, I think he's definitely up for it, and uh, I think that they'll try to use that stuff to uh, – there's a couple things they want to take advantage of. One is throwing down the field to Colin Johnson more. And uh, last year teams would show like they were going to play a safety over the top on Colin Johnson, but then sneak him into the box to stop the run after the snap. And uh, Georgia did that some. So being able to take, uh, giving Ellinger the option to pull the ball and then punishing him for that by checking a, like a deep post or maybe just a back shoulder fade to Colin Johnson on those could be really damaging. Or um, the other thing that they want to take advantage of is that last year their tight end was a really good blocker. And so a lot of times they'd be like, well, whatever, we're just going to block you and run for, you know, three, four yards in a cloud of dust and, and keep the chains moving. This year, their tight end is, is a better receiver than a blocker. Uh, Cade Brewer came out of that Lake Travis school that produces so many spread players like, uh, you know, Mayfield and, and whoever else. Um, so they, they may be flexing out the tight ends more and having them run routes on run plays more often than, uh, than asking him to block as much. Well, one thing that I guess we, we talked a little bit about the guys that are, are missing from the Texas defense. Texas returns quite a bit of a skill position talent. Um, they do lose a little Jordan Humphrey, who was a probably, uh, you could make the argument, their best wide receiver. If you want to say he was better than Colin Johnson, I, I think that, you know, they're both very good wide receivers. They, that unit should not take a whole lot of step back. But uh, I guess the one question mark on the Texas offense really this year is uh, the offensive line. Uh, they do return uh, Shackelford at center, who's an all-Big 12 uh, type of player. Uh, they do bring in, a, I think it's Parker Braun, uh, who is an all, uh, I believe an all-ACC uh, lineman at Georgia Tech. They do have to replace a few uh, few starters on the offensive line. Do you see that as as a cause for concern for Texas in 2019? Uh, not not in particular. They uh, their starting talent is probably going to be fine. I pulled up the numbers real quick before I came on. Um, their left tackle Sam Cosme started 13 games last year at right tackle and was maybe their most talented player as a redshirt freshman. At left guard, they'll probably have Parker Braun, who started 32 games at Georgia Tech. So he's got to figure out a few things that are different blocking in the Texas offense rather than blocking in the Georgia Tech flex bone. But, sure. but still, 32 games started, two, two-time All-ACC. At center, they have Shackelford, who you mentioned, who started 27 games. At right guard, they're going to play Derek Kerstetter, who's been, uh, who started – 15 games over his career so far. Um, and then at right tackle, Denzel Okafor, who started four games a couple years ago and then redshirted last year. So it's not quite that bad, even though they're losing three starters, including a couple guys that were like uh, four-year starters and Calvin Anderson and Patrick Vahi. They have a lot of guys that have played quite a bit and who are third-year or older players. Really, um, the only question marks are if they get unlucky with injuries. Right now, they're like they have like six guys that they think are really good, and some of them can play multiple positions. So if they have one injury, 
no matter who it is, they'll probably be okay. If they have two long-term injuries, then they'll have to start playing um, sophomores that are much more iffy. Well, so. I, I saw you make the comparison in one of your uh, articles this summer to the uh, 2014 Ohio State team. Um, and if Texas can get anything close to that kind of production, I think they'll be uh, well-served. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if it'll happen like that or not, but there's been a couple really notable times in history where a team was turning over a lot of their line, but the guys they had ready to go were ready to go. Uh, another notable one is the um, 1995 Nebraska offensive line. They were replacing, I think, four starters. And then they ended up running for, I think, almost 400 yards a game, and they didn't give up a sack all season. So sometimes yeah, those... they only, that, I think that 95 Husker team only threw the ball about seven times that year. But uh, well, they didn't need still, to. still impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ian, uh, a couple quick ones for you here. Uh, something we like to call three and out here on the short side option as we make our way through our Big 12 previews. Uh you know, so much has been made about, you know, is Texas back or not? But clearly it looks like Tom Herman is is moving things in a direction that uh, Texas will be competing at a high level. Uh, obviously are competing at a high level now. And, uh, you know, when you look at the recruiting going on in, in, in 2020 and 2021, they, uh, they're, they're right where you'd expect them to be right at the top of the national rankings. So my first question to you is, Will Texas win a national title in the next five years under Tom Herman? Um, yeah, yes. I think, I think um, there's a decent chance they get one with Ellinger. The only trick is that their schedule actually lines up best this year and their team lines up best next year. Next year yeah. Um, so... I mean, they could maybe win it this year, but they're definitely not. I mean, they're not even a favorite to make the playoffs, much less win it all. Uh, maybe they could win it next year, but they'll have to beat LSU on the road and uh, probably a better Oklahoma team than they'll have to beat this year. And then, um, you know, with a five-year window is pretty decent because now you're talking about getting into uh, when the roster is a little deeper and, and maybe they sure. get – Hudson Carter, whoever else at quarterback. So uh, I'll say yes, but uh, you would bet the field any given year for certain. Sure, (laughs) sure. Well, it it will be – we won't hold you to that, you know, as it's signed in blood necessarily, but we'll be sure to keep an eye on that uh, here as, as we move forward. Um, of course, Ian, you do uh, not only do you cover Texas, but you have uh, have a good pulse on on what's going on in the Big Twelve, and uh, you've even wrote about Kansas State, and of course the uh, new hire with Chris Kleiman. Uh, for those that might not, uh, you know, be necessarily familiar with your opinion of what Chris Kleiman uh, is, and you know, kind of what uh, you think of the hire at K State, I guess what's what's your overall impression of of the fit, and maybe some expectations here. Uh, for Chris Kleiman uh, as he as he takes over for Bill Snyder at Kansas State? I really like the hire. It's not a sure thing, obviously. Um, the, I've seen – there were a couple articles that went around on FCS hires and how they've translated. And, like, some of them were, like, these are 
some of the best coaches we have now started in the FCS level. And then some of them were, you know, total duds. What I like about Kleiman is that he built a dominant top to bottom program with the same kind of uh, Midwestern recruits and players that Kansas state has to lean on. So uh, like some of his North Dakota state teams, they would go and play Kansas state or they'd go and play Iowa. And uh, those are schools like, especially Iowa, Iowa has the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the country. And it's because he's a master at turning Iowan farm boys into uh, NFL monsters with whatever it is that he's doing there. And uh, when they played North Dakota State, there was not much question about which team was the bigger, stronger, tougher team in the trenches, and it was the Bison. So that's uh, pretty impressive. And I think that to win at Kansas State, the best formula that we've seen is the one in which the coach knows how to maximize Midwestern kids to build really physical, tough, disciplined teams in the trenches. Um, And then you can always recruit some skill talent from Texas or Florida or wherever else to kind of round things out. But uh, I think that that part is essential is just being able to translate in-state kids and kids within the Kansas state recruiting turf into uh, offensive and defensive lines that can go control games in the Big 12. So I don't know that there was a better hire available, honestly, than Chris Kleiman for achieving that. The other the other option, obviously, was to go with like an air raid coach. But then you're hoping that um, a uh, an air raid coach that isn't Lincoln Riley or Dana Holgerson or Cleef Kingsbury could outcoach those guys while recruiting at Kansas state rather than, you know, in the middle of Texas or somewhere. So uh, I think, I think they, they did really well, all things considered. We'll see if he's able to build another legendary program like Bill Snyder, but um, yeah. Definitely a fun storyline to watch this year with the four uh, new head coaches, but uh, it's a nice vote of confidence from you there, Ian. Um, and finally, our last question is outside of uh, Texas and Oklahoma, who I think are two clear front runners for uh, a spot in the Big 12 title game this year. Um, outside of those two, who are uh, the next two best uh, contenders in your eyes that have a shot to uh, maybe get to Arlington? Um, Iowa State is one for sure. They uh, they figured out how to play defense in this league, and they maybe developed a blueprint that everyone around the country is going to start copying. Um, and they return, I think, eight starters on defense from last year, including some of their best guys that helped them uh, execute their strategy. And then they have Pump Fake Purdy, and I think five yeah five returning starters in the offensive line, and like three tight ends that are good. So. I like Iowa State a lot. Um, I think they're sort of what Kleiman is going to try to turn Kansas State into. And uh, maybe if they're lucky, uh, Matt Campbell will leave and make that path a little clearer in the coming years. Um, And then after that, it's really tricky to me. Um, I would have liked TCU or Oklahoma State as that fourth team. 
But some of the stuff coming out of Oklahoma State right now, they're real beat up in their defensive front. And I just don't know how well they're going to hold up on defense this year. And then at quarterback, Mike Gundy is like, just does not seem at all committed or excited about either of his two guys there. So that's interesting. And then TCU, everything looks to be in place except that they may start your old friend Alex Delton at quarterback. That's right. And he is terrible. No offense. <laughs> None taken. He's not He's not our quarterback this year. So uh... that's And that's the same opinion I kind of have. It's like I just cannot see TCU winning eight, nine, you know, ten games and really competing for a conference style with him at quarterback. I think – I think that they're going to ask him to hang on as long as he can while they try to buy time for Max yeah. Duggan. Um, but then, you know, then you're asking a freshman. So just like, what's your ceiling there? So TCU and Oklahoma State, everything else looks pretty good, except for quarterback, which is a big deal, and, and defense for Oklahoma State. Then after that, you would go to Texas Tech or Baylor, who have quarterbacks, but everything else looks shakier. So uh, I, I have been pretty down on Baylor. I'm still not. I'm still not not down on Baylor. But if it's if Oklahoma State and TCU can't put something together, then Charlie Brewer is going to be the difference in a, in, a, in some of these games where Alan Bowman is. So I don't know. That that's a that's my scattered answer. Well, it's like I I think it's somewhat uh, the general message around the Big Twelve is. We can get you, we can give you one and two pretty easily. We can give you three with some confidence, but four through eight, anyone's guess really. So no, no that's that is a uh, that is a well put uh, well put answer. And since maybe I stuck in the K State question, yeah, I still, I mean, maybe there's I, a, maybe there's a window for Kansas State if if they if they get the right breaks on a few things. Well, it would it would probably take quite a few breaks, but you know it certainly could happen. There there have been stranger things that have occurred. Uh, but since I did sneak in a K-State question, I, I do owe you another one. We've asked every uh, every uh, you know person that has come on to do uh, our our Big 12 uh, previews is uh, project an over under. So we have the over under for Texas at nine and a half wins. If you had to pick a side on on which side the horns land of that nine and a half win total, uh, where would you find yourself at? Over, over. I didn't think I'd have to twist your arm too hard to say over. No, I, they, won, they won 10 last year. I think they're going to be better than last year. Um, very good chance of going back to the Big 12 championship game, which gives you another chance at a win, then a bowl game. So, um, yeah, that that's not – they only leave the state twice. I think uh, if they don't win 10 games, that's going to be a pretty big disappointment. I thought you were going to ask me about Kansas State. I was going to pull up their schedule real quick. Oh, well, I, I don't think we quite know exactly what we think of K-State quite yet. We're only, what, about 12 days away, 11 days away from uh, the start of the season. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't pull too much of a fast one on you there, Ian. But uh, okay. thanks again for taking some time to speak with us. Uh, we'll, of course, be in touch with you uh, throughout the season. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, Texas gets started off with Louisiana Tech and then uh, welcome in another uh, school uh, out of Louisiana with LSU and in what should be a big game for Texas as they uh, really try to take that next step here in 2019. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. And also, um, everybody stay tuned to, to Twitter or the website, Sports Treatise. I'm going to uh, be launching a book very soon. Oh, all right. 
called Flyover Football. It's about the uh, evolution of spread offense in the Big 12 and how the Big 12 became the the uh, frontier for modern football, is what I'm saying, with the uh, evolution of spread offenses in this conference. So there's a little Kansas State in there, and uh, if you're just a fan of Big 12 history, it'll be, a I hope, a really interesting book to read. Well, we'll be sure to do that. Of course, folks, you can uh, you can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore A underscore Boyd. And, of course, he covers uh, Big 12 football at sportstreatise.com and uh, also Texas football, <clears throat> excuse me, at insidetexas.com. Ian, thanks again for uh, making some time for us. Uh, we'll be sure to keep in touch throughout the season. You bet. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ian. All right. Thanks again uh, to Ian Boyd for taking some time uh, to uh, talk Texas football with us. Of course, you can uh, follow Ian's work at sportstreatise.com, insidetexas.com, and of course, follow him on Twitter uh, at Ian underscore A underscore Boyd. And uh, like he said, got a new book coming out. Uh, It was Flyover Football, kind of talking about the spread uh, offense uh, here in the Big 12 and how that's really uh, started a trend uh, all throughout the country. Yeah, and I, I'm fascinated uh, to hear about that. Uh, I really respect, you know, as throughout my fandom over the last 10 years or so, uh, I always had like a Big 12 writer that I really loved to read. For years and years, it was David Oven. And I was just an addict when he was writing for uh, ESPN.com, when Ubbin was. And then uh, he had uh, Flyover, I think his Patreon or whatever was Flyover Country. Oh, yeah, that sounds, sounds about right. Um, I think. But just to keep, you know, I spend probably 75, 80% of my time devoted to reading about K-State and then that other... 20-25%, I'm on other teams' message boards and reading, you know, writers I respect. But nobody, right now, after after Ubbin deserted the Big 12. And he's, yeah, he's covering the Big Orange down in uh Down, down in Tennessee. Country. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. But after he turned his back on the Big 12, just like his alma mater, Missouri, did, uh, Ian Boyd took the torch for me. And that's when I, that's when I discovered him and I was just like, oh, this is... Great stuff. And sportstreetist.com, I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Um, it really gets into the science of football. Sure. And it's just a very educational uh, website for people that like college football. And it's great that he writes about the Big 12 because I learn more about K-State and what we're trying to do, reading what he, he says or that we're trying to do. Yeah. No, absolutely. We encourage uh, all of our... Uh, listeners to check out Ian's work and uh, you know kind of gives you a great perspective of what's going on not only with your team but uh, around uh, the rest of the Big 12. So well let's uh, let's circle back around here a little bit uh, to the Longhorns. Really when you look at things here for Texas expectations high as as they typically are uh, down on the 40 acres Big game uh, in the non-conference, of course, against LSU, which I had mentioned. When you look at that game, I don't know if there's any bigger game in college football, uh, at least in the non-conference this season, uh, than when the uh, the LSU Tigers go uh, go visit uh, the Longhorns in Austin. Yeah, that's, uh, that game's on September 7th each uh, well, week. two, yeah. Texas will get a tune-up game against Louisiana Tech 
down in Austin just prior to playing at LSU, but uh, that is going to be a uh, really fun game. Um, and I, I would just expect that to be two teams that are very physical and uh, will put on quite a show down in Austin. Um, and it'll be a hell of a lit- litmus test for this 2019 Texas team um, early in the season. We'll be able to know pretty quickly whether... Because, man, if Texas wins that game, that gives them a, a huge boost. Yeah. Because then that gives them a freebie the rest of the way. In my yeah, I, I think it gives them maybe... Well, it gives them one for sure, of course. I yeah. think that I think if the college football playoff has taught us anything, that you know, losing one game because I, I think the rest of the big because get real, uh, the other there's not going to be a team, there's not going to be four other undefeated teams. There never is, and if if Texas has a non-con win over LSU under their belt, then they're going to be at the front of the line of, of the one. Yeah, loss. assuming LSU, you know, is a nine nine win team, you know. Or right. better, yeah. Um, which you, you would expect them to do. I think this year LSU is typically. I always think LSU is kind of overrated, but this year I actually think that they're appropriately rated. Which is, uh, you know, Ed O's got them, uh, got those Taga. He got he's got them lined up, and, and it should be a, a big matchup uh, in week two uh, down there in Austin. So I want to kind of look with the end in mind here, uh, Delu. We've got uh, the over-under here uh, for regular season wins uh, for Texas at 9.5, okay? So I think when you look at that LSU game, that really can serve as a springboard of saying, okay, what's, what's this Texas team going to look like? And I think that even if they lose that game, they're, not, they're still in fine shape, I, I don't really think, because they – Played OU last year, beat them in in, uh, in Dallas in the uh, the Red River Shootout, only to lose the rematch in uh, in Arlington for the Big Twelve Championship. So I mean, you look at that; they could still go ten and two, I think, relatively easily. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't if, say relatively easily. They still have the rest of a, a conference slate, which you have to yeah. sweep it. I mean, they still take a trip to Ames in November. Uh, I'm not I'm not super scared about that if I'm Texas, <sighs> man. I'm not mega high on the Cyclones, but that's not a gimme. No, it's not a gimme, but they're going to be favored outside the Texas game or outside the OU uh, game in Dallas. I would expect them to be favored by anywhere from a touchdown to 10 points oh. about the rest of the games that season. Oh, outside of, outside of Iowa State? Uh, no, I mean, outside of Oklahoma. Oh, I, I think if, if I was handicapping that Texas-Iowa State game today... Texas, maybe a f- I'd be inclined to pick them that or something. Oh, I mean, you're I, out of your I'm not, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Iowa State's given more than a field goal, maybe field goal and a three and a half, maybe. Well, there's still plenty of football between uh, yeah, now and is, the time but, when they play each other in, man, in the middle of November. But that's a, a November trip to a, a highly considered Iowa State teams. I would. I wouldn't take Texas. Seven and a half. You know what? You, uh, you well, then what I'm gonna while I do some research here, uh, for us, Dilu, kind of tell me what you see, uh, for the for the uh, Longhorns this upcoming I season. I think they're, don't get me wrong, I think that they're a, I think they're clearly a very good team, and I, I see them certainly competing, uh, for a 
top spot in this conference. But, you know, the, there are some games that they could slip up at. They go to Waco the week after they go to Iowa State. They'd have to take a trip out to Morgantown. And granted, West Virginia is not exactly getting anybody shaking in their boots, but that could be a, a tricky little contest out there. Um, lucky for them, they, they do get uh, Oklahoma State at home. They, as, as Ian said, they don't leave the state of Texas. Uh, they leave the state of Texas twice all year. Um, one of those being Iowa State and the other one being West Virginia. But I see Texas about 10 wins. I mean, I think that before a conference championship game, I'm just talking regular season. If I was, I think the nine and a half number is probably pretty close because, frankly speaking, I see them splitting. Uh, the, I think it's, I don't know. I, I, if I was betting on today, I would say they lose LSU and they lose the Red River Shootout. Okay. And then I see them slipping up somewhere the rest of the way too. Okay. Um. We're, so, we're, we're, we're similar here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel as comfortable as Ian did about taking over 9.5, just because I think that's a pretty good number for this team. Um, and I think a lot of it's going to depend on whether or not uh, they can steal one of their two toughest games, where they'll... I think it's fair to say that... Well, what's Do you have a line on that LSU game? Yes, I do. What's that? Uh, Texas three or four point dog, depending on where you look at. Interesting. Home dog. So they're going to be coming into the season. They're they're dogs in two games. I take it. Yes. And so, assuming they lose both of those, I could see. I just have a hard time seeing them win the other ten without issue. But maybe that's just me being a slave to Texas's recent history where they haven't been able to completely run the table or win all the games that they should. And uh, maybe this is the year where they win the games that they're favored in. Yep. Well, so you're, if you had to put a, and we're, of course we're not on the clock yet for our official Big 12 predictions, but if you had to throw up one right now, what would you I'd say? say for- I'd say regular season Texas gets nine wins. Um, I do see them getting to Arlington, uh, but... And they could win a tenth there, okay. but I I see them losing uh, three games this year. Okay, I see we're 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 pretty close here. I see ten and two uh, for Texas, a loss to LSU, and a loss to Oklahoma, and then taking care of business everywhere else. That's right. Well, certainly possible. So, but that's not my official prediction. Just want well, to Vegas would agree with you there, naturally. Yeah. Close enough. Close enough. So, we but we are we're both high on Texas. We both expect them to get to the Big Twelve title game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in, in the same boat there, uh, you have them going nine and three as of now, unofficially. I have them going ten and two. Subject to change. Subject to change. Where we will uh, coming to you on the short side option next week. Uh, we will be previewing uh, the focal point of this podcast, the K State Wildcats. No, 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 I thought you were going to say uh, uh, Temptation Island. Well, we did. Drew, do you want to share with our listeners what we uh, happened to see there? Yeah, we saw a commercial watching uh, some programming on USA Network. Uh, that Temptation Island's back in October. 
And so when you said the focal point of this podcast, I you had a double you had a double. I wasn't there. sure whether you were referring to the uh, impending Temptation Island uh, premiere or uh, our beloved Kansas State Wildcats. Well, the Wildcats pay the bill, so to speak, on this podcast, and we'll uh, we'll give you a, a in depth preview of what we think about K State, and uh, also give our official Big Twelve predictions uh, here coming up next week uh, on the short side option, but uh, unofficially. As of now, D. has got the horns at nine and three. I have them at ten and two. Uh, both of us have them uh, going back to the Big Twelve title game in Arlington. So that will do it here uh, for us on the um, on the Texas Longhorns here in 2019. The uh, penultimate Big Twelve, well, aside from K State, but uh, we got one other non-K State team left. And who do? We- we have left just just the boys from right down the road that's right that's right yeah well uh up next on the short side option uh podcast will be our final big 12 preview uh, where we will welcome uh, austin swisher our ku insider here on the short side option yeah, and he'll get us up to speed on all things ku but uh thanks again to ian boyd uh, for joining us getting us all squared away with texas uh up next on the, on the short side option podcast tour through the big 12 will be the KU Jayhawks and Les Miles. Until then, thanks for listening.